Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things going for you? Things are fantastic. Just you and me right now. I mean, a lot going on, obviously, in the NFL world. Coaching changes. Obviously, playoffs are heating up. Um, starting to be draft time. So, yeah, there's a lot to keep an eye on, from, especially from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, this is definitely a fun time of year. The next few months will be will be a blast for dynasty owners. I was actually – I tweeted this out the other day, but I was just thinking about all the events that – even take place for dynasty owners just next month. Of course, you have the you have the NFL Combine. You have obviously the Super Bowl. Everyone looks forward to that as a wrap up to the season. Um, but in the fantasy football world, my fantasy league rolls over their leagues to the 2017 season. It's always oh, yeah. fun. Always fun to see those actual draft picks rather than just 2017 first round or second round. Uh, my fantasy league also starts the MFL tens, which which are a huge deal and, and a fun way to pass the off season. And then you also have National Signing Day for the for the Devi and the the college crowd. So lots of things going on in February to uh, to keep our attention. You and I have been doing this, you know, about a year now. How much do you pay attention to National Signing Day and Devi stuff? You know, as a relation to that, I really enjoy National Signing Day. As a standalone event, I don't necessarily um, track recruiting year round mm-hmm. or it's, it, you know, there's, there's only so much you can keep up with. I know the top couple names, uh, you know, at the key positions, I guess. Um, but, but I still love the, you know, the drama of, of National Signing Day with players changing their mind at the last minute and the, the crazy way they announce their decision sometimes so it's a fun day I usually uh, usually find myself getting sick on that day so I have to end up staying home <laughs> so you pay pretty much attention well on on that one day for sure it's it's fun and and yeah if you play in Debbie leagues it's a good a good head start to uh, to know those players that are are the big recruits well I mean as you know I mean I was the assistant recruiting coordinator at Pitt for three years and I mean, that day was like my Super Bowl. I mean, because that was my number one focus wasn't games. It was getting these guys to sign and putting together a class. And, you know, from a college perspective, everybody in the building puts on a suit and tie. You go in there super duper crazy early. And basically, at least back then, I don't know how they do it now. I mean, that was 13 years ago. We would huddle around a fax machine like it was a bonfire and wait for faxes to come in and be like, Oh, there's one from Larry Fitzgerald. It's official. The Ohio State's not going to steal them from us. You know, like we weren't sure until the very end, until you get that fax, and we'd all high five each other, and then you know, coaching people would have you know, press conferences about it. But that was always a really fun day. And once in a while, a fax wouldn't come in that you were expecting. Yeah, that that had to be pretty intense. Uh, you know, especially if that's your, uh, you know, kind of the ultimate day that that you look yeah. forward to that your job builds up to. So. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that. It's it's fun to sit back on the couch and watch it, but it's it's a different feeling to be involved with it, I'm sure. Yeah, it doesn't break your heart if the star quarterback decides at the last minute that I'm going to go to Florida State instead of Alabama, you know, where us, it's like you don't have any contingency plan, like, ah, what's he doing? We never got the text from, you know, Darrell Rivas. Wow, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Well, Matt, today we are, like you mentioned, it's, it's just, uh, just the two of us. We're going to answer some listener questions. Uh, we, as always, we got a ton of, of great response and, and good questions 
that, uh, you know, that, that can be a challenge and, and a jumping off point for some great dynasty conversation. Before yeah. we get in, before, before we get in, I wanted to ask you one, you know, we have a lot of really good Twitter questions from our fans and it's a really good group now that we've assembled that listen to this podcast religiously. And we're very appreciative of that. But I have a question for you uh, at, at Williamson NFL is sending uh, something in for at Ryan McDowell saying, what to you as a dynasty owner is more important right now? These three games we still have left, AFC Championship, NFC Championship, Super Bowl, or not even to the Combine, but the the circuit, the East-West Shrine game, Senior Bowl circuit, these all-star games. Which one influences player stock or is more important to you? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure either one really does, honestly, change the value of, of players too much. The the all-star games, the college all-star games, I think put some players on the map because I mean, with 120 plus D one schools and, and then you've got uh, smaller schools that are a lower level, you know, you just can't, even if you play Dev, even if you're the biggest college fan out there, you can't keep up with, you can't even know the names of all of these guys. Right. So, um, you know, watching these games, tracking the practice reports that that so many uh, people do such a good job with, uh, w- putting those out. Some of these names are, are players that I'd never heard of. You know, there's this this tight end Michael Roberts from um, from one of the Mac schools, Toledo, maybe. I can't even remember. He's not a guy I was really familiar with, but he's you know evidently been blowing up uh, Shrine Game practices this week. So you know that's a name that I, I wasn't aware of, but now I am. And, you know, now I can look back and try to find some information about him. Uh, I don't know if there's any, any clips out there, but you know, you just dig as much as you can to learn about these guys. As far as the playoffs, if I have a choice, I'm watching the playoffs just from, you know, just as a football fan, but right, I, don't, right. I don't think we're going to see much barring, you know, knock on wood, barring a major injury that's going to change player value much. At this point, you know, I do think back to the Seattle Super Bowl a couple of years ago, um, the receiver that that just blew up for the Seahawks. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. And everybody picked him up and ran to the wire. And yeah. I, every I really, eye every in America saw it. I should really remember his name because uh, he went to he went to Kentucky in college. And and uh, big, good looking kid that you know he was going to change the world. Yeah, and, and now I can't even remember his name. But, yeah, he was he was the hot waiver wire uh, player for – really for a big chunk of the offseason, uh, depending on when your waivers opened in your leagues because people thought, you know, he was going to be the next star as the Seahawks receiver and, and never really did much beyond, uh, beyond that big game in the Super Bowl. Well, along those lines, I mean, did someone like Deion Lewis because of last week stock go up all of a sudden? I think he could for, for some owners, you know, it's, it's a recency bias thing and mm-hmm. um, big stage, right? Exactly. Big stage, those Island games, people call them now. And everybody was watching that game at that time. Um, and of course, while everybody's aware of Dion Lewis, if you watch him score three touchdowns in a huge game, then maybe you think, yeah, I want to go out and get him. If it's me, I'm selling him. If I have him anywhere, I'm taking that chance to sell just because I never really trust 
New England running backs. We've already seen a report that they're going to target uh, more of an every down dynamic playmaker that they can rely on this offseason. Who knows if that's the case, but uh, there's always that concern that uh, those New England backs can be replaced pretty easily. Yeah, and they've gone through quite a few of them. I mean, Vereen and they have White and they always had, you know, all going back all the way to Falk. I mean, they've always had a plethora of those guys coming in and out. Um, I have one more question for you. And on my Locked On NFL podcast that I do every day, I had Kyle Krabs on who does Locked On NFL Draft. And we just talked tight ends, quarterbacks, and linebackers today. And there's a tight end from Miami that just declared a younger dude named David Najuku, and I, I still don't know how to pronounce his last name, that apparently has shot up the boards and could be the you know, could threaten O.J. Howard as the first tight end taken. Uh, are you familiar with him, or are you trying to scramble for some of these uh, underclassmen? That, I think he's a third-year sophomore. Are you scrambling on those guys and trying to learn as much as you can, or where are you at on those guys? Uh, with him specifically, I, I was pretty familiar with him. I got to see mm-hmm. Miami – um, a, a few times this year, thought he was really impressive. I didn't think he would declare. He is he is a redshirt sophomore, so that was kind of a pleasant surprise. This tight end class is already loaded. loaded. You know, yeah. I think I think everybody is aware of that. That's that's not news to anybody. But uh, him declaring just you know made it even better. And I know our buddy Matt Miller has him, I, I believe, as the top tight end in, in the class, or or maybe second behind Howard. Um, so yeah, he's, he's definitely moving up the boards with between him and Howard, uh, and Evan Ingram, you know, there's going to be some, some really strong options as far as, uh, dynasty tight ends, even, you know, even though the stigma has been to avoid those rookie tight ends, I think it might be too hard to pass on some of these guys, even if you don't expect anything in year one. Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah just put out his fifty, you know, top fifty prospects list, and this kid was his top tight end. I mean, I don't think Howard was too far behind him, and that's what I was going to follow up. Do you? I mean, even though this is a really strong running back class, could you see Howard or Naduku? How do you say it again? I want to make sure I say the kid's name right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'll throw that on you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, either one of those two. Do you think they could be top twelve dynasty rookie picks this year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think okay. we could, I think we could see at least one of those. You know, if those guys are both first rounders, which that's how they're being uh, thought of right now, and lots of the mocks have have both of those guys in the first. Uh-huh. I think we could see them at the end of the first round in rookie drafts. I mean, I could see the Giants taking one of them in the first round, and that's pretty alluring. Yeah, the Giants always have always produced uh, some pretty impressive tight end uh, scoring, even. You know, even with relative no names, yeah. um, the the two the two guys struggled this year. I think at least one of them will be gone, maybe both of them. But yeah, who, whichever tight end the Giants take would be would be a major target. Yeah. All right, I derailed the show long enough. Let's get to some of these questions. All right, sounds good. Uh, first one comes from Greg on Twitter, and he says he's in a contract league. He has a tough choice to make. He can keep. Odell Beckham, or he can keep Le'Veon Bell and Allen Robinson. Uh, wants to know what's the play. 
and just mentions that he also sounds like he has a pretty solid team. He has Antonio Brown, Sammy Watkins, Doug Baldwin as well. So, I mean, you, you can really think of this as a trade in, in effect. Beckham versus Bell and A-Rob. See, this one's easy to me. I mean, I take Bell and A-Rob. I mean, I'm down on A-Rob as everybody else's. I get that. But I have to think their offense is better next year than it was this year. Uh, new offensive coordinator that could be Chip Kelly. And <laughs> maybe even when people are listening to this, it will be Chip Kelly. I don't know if that helps A-Rob or not. But I think it certainly helped Bortles and Yeldon and the running game. Um, but Lev's a beast. I mean, he's just so good. And I think he's an almost 100% chance he comes back to Pittsburgh. I have all the respect in the world for Beckham, but I'll take those two. Yeah, I, I would be on that side as well. Uh, and look, just looking at our latest ADP, which I try not to use that as as a trade guide necessarily, but but it is a tool. So of course, Beckham was still our number one player. Uh, Bell and Allen Robinson were back to back eight and nine. So okay. you know you you get that first pick in a new league, and it's it's tough to pass on your choice of whoever you want to start your franchise. But if you can move down and somehow get two of those first rounders later, I think you have to do that. So, um, and and of course in a contract league, some of that comes down to some of the details. We don't know, you know, how long can he keep bell and a Rob versus how long can he keep Beckham? That would, that would maybe factor in, but assuming all those are the same, I would take the two over Beckham. Agreed. All right. Our next question comes from Jamie. Uh, he says, how do you balance win now versus sustaining the future? And in his example, he says he won the, his league championship, uh, but most of his team is old. So do you stick with it, ride it out, or do you take some hits and try to acquire some youth? What do you think, Matt? I'm always into the future, but I had, I mean, I'm also a little sour because I was in six leagues this year and I didn't make a cent. <laughs> so and I look at my teams like maybe I'm too young and I'm willing to adapt maybe, but uh, I want to build that powerhouse. I mean, I, I still believe in the, uh, you know, the let's just get as many young receivers as I possibly can. And I want to turn into the 70 Steelers or the 60 Packers and win year after year. And if that takes me a couple of years to do it, I'm still on board, but, and you can still, I mean, I still think there's an art and you're really good at this too is, pick up Phillip Rivers or Jason Witten for a third-round pick and plug him in as your starter to try to ride that fence. Yeah, that's we're, we're right on the same, same page there. Um, I'm loading up on as much youth as I can, as many draft picks, because I think those have just outrageous capital. You know, once it mm-hmm. comes draft time, especially a year like this, next year already looks like it's going to be a similar story with a strong 2018 class. Um, you know, you can almost name your price for those picks. So, uh, and yeah, grabbing guys, you know, grabbing those veterans who are relatively cheap, who can serve as short-term starters. I think that's the way to do it. Uh, Now in Jamie's situation, if you've got a team built around older veterans, you know, if you have, uh, if you have Drew Brees and Jordy Nelson and, um, you know, just older players throughout your lineup, it becomes tough. But if he won the championship this year, I think by default, he's a strong contender next year at the very least. So um, I would stick it out, you know, try to grab some, uh, try to grab some 
draft picks, even second and third rounders, just start uh, sprinkling some youth in there, play the waiver wire, and, and just, just try to get that good balance. But certainly don't give up on a championship team. But you also have to be smart and don't, boom, all of a sudden everybody on my team's worth nothing and I have no draft picks and I'm going to be, you know, uh, the Browns for the next five years. Exactly. I mean, the thing is when, you you know, we hit this offseason point, those guys, like I mentioned, Jordy, you know, even he had a, a tremendous year. He's losing value day by day just because he's, he's uh, over 30 years old. So the offseason is not the time to sell the Nelsons and the Breeze and, uh, you know, even Rivers and Eli dropping down to those tiers. It's the time to buy those guys. Yep. Wait till the regular season starts. If you start 0-3, yeah, ship Breeze off for a second, sell Jordy for a late first, make those moves then uh, w- that you can't really make now because, for the most part, nobody wants to buy veterans in the offseason. Our next question comes from Andrew. He's looking at four uh, relatively young wide receivers and just wants our thoughts on their future outlook. We've got J.J. Nelson of Arizona, Paul Richardson, who just had a a tremendous playoff run there, Bruce Ellington, of course, San Francisco, missed the entire year with an injury, and Tyrell Williams, the Chargers breakout star. Um, I think I think it starts with Tyrell Williams. I, oh, I think, for sure. Uh, he's in a to me. He's in a different group than those other guys. Uh, I like all four of these guys on my roster, um, but Williams. You know, we're talking about first round rookie pick value. Um, wow, you far, like him that much? I, I think he's. I think he cost a late first rounder. If you want to buy him, for sure. I mean, you'd rather have Williams than one twelve. Or close. I think it's close, yeah. Okay, okay. At, at the very least. I mean, I 100% agree with you that he's far superior. I, I'd rather have him than the other three combined. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah, right, right. So um, I don't think he belongs. And plus, he's a lot bigger than those guys. I mean, he's just scored more touchdowns. He's a number two in a good offense. I mean, the, the Niner. I mean, like, I picked up Ellington after the season as a cheapie, you know, as one of those scuba guys, as, you know, Bloom and those guys say. But, I mean, who knows what the situation is going to be there. I know Richardson's impressive and Nelson's impressive and Floyd's probably going to leave and Nelson's role might grow, but Lockett comes back. I mean, I don't think any of those guys are consistent touchdown producers. Right. Right. Well, in Arizona, you know, I mean, Floyd's already gone. Of course he's, he's with new England now. Fitz is hinting like he might go ahead and hang it up. John Brown has these, these injury issues. So JJ Nelson looks like he could see more consistent playing time. The guy I like there. Uh, and we talked about it on our waiver wire show is, uh, is uh, another Nelson, Jaron, uh, Jaron, I'm sorry, Jaron Brown, another Brown. Right. 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 Uh, of course he missed a lot of the season with an injury as well. Uh, but, but he's a big guy. I could see him playing more of like the Fitz Floyd role. Uh, if that, you know, if that opens up as, as it looks like it might. And he looked good whenever he had a chance. I mean, he still sees the field when everybody was healthy, and I think they like him quite a bit. Right. Uh, with Paul Richardson, you know, we talked about the playoff run, made some some crazy catches. Still didn't see a, a lot of volume, though. I mean, he wasn't getting a lot of targets in that offense, even with lock it out. So they've already said Jimmy Graham will be back next year. Of course, Baldwin will obviously be there. Tyler Lockett sounds like he'll be ready for week one. 
I just don't know if Richardson has a consistent enough role to really make him a fantasy asset. Yeah, and if I owned him right now, I might put him on my trading block. You know how you you, you, you go to the check mark on a handful of guys who are on the trading block. Somebody he might attract flies. You know, somebody might be interested in him, and I'll give you a second round pick for Paul Richardson. Deal. Yeah, I would I would easily take a second. I'd pair him with a third for a second. If, yeah, uh, nice. If that's what it took. Yep, in a heartbeat, and somebody might bite on that. Next question comes from Bradley. He says he's in a super flex league, a rebuild has a bunch of draft picks, seven draft picks in the back of the first and the second round, and, and simply wants to know, use them, or does he trade up and try to get a better pick? And also notes it's a 14-team league. In That's general, always a hard question to answer without knowing his roster. but Right. In, in general, when you're – you know, he, he did mention it's a rebuild, which is I yeah. think the, the most important thing to note there. You know, you just want as many darts as you can. And and those late first and second rounders, especially in a super flex league, because now we're talking about um, these four or five quarterbacks who nobody really knows who's, you know, who's the best one. You've got the North Carolina kid, Mitch Trubisky. Uh-huh. You've got Deshaun Watson and Brad Kaya. And nobody Kaiser, knows. Yeah. And, and Deshaun Kaiser. So, you know, the draft is going to tell us a lot about what the NFL thinks about those guys. But if you're going, if if a quarterback's drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, they're going to be a first round pick in the, in in a super flex league as well. Is that a rule? I mean, that's a, that's a dead heat rule of thumb, no matter what. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, Paxton Lynch was a first rounder last year. Yes. Yeah. Lynch. Yeah. All all three of those guys, Lynch and golf and Carson Wentz, we're all, uh, we're all first rounders. Mm-hmm. And at least the majority of, of drafts I saw as far as super flex. So, you know, even if Bradley can't grab one of those quarterbacks, there's other talent at the running back and wide receiver, wide receiver and tight end position that's going to be falling because those quarterbacks are rising. So uh, just hang tough, keep those picks and, and get as, you know, as many young pieces on your roster as you can and turn that into a contender. I 100% agree. I mean, that, that doesn't mean you don't listen to offers or you don't kick the tires. I mean, still be really active, shop them, try to get a deal, or when the draft is going on, if there's somebody that you're in love with that you think is going to go two picks ahead of your pick, then, then go be proactive and get them. But I mostly agree with you too, Ryan, that I would treat it like I'm the Browns, you know, that I want to bring in 14 NFL draft picks and hope half of them hit and do it again next year and do it again next year. And eventually you get to the point where, roster space gets really tough for you and even in a 14 team league and you can't afford to do that anymore you can't bring in 14 new bodies to your team or you know whatever it is i mean i'm using an nfl example to correlate it but next we hear from jason jason wants to know if you've got one of these top assets he mentions odell beckham mike evans Le'Veon bell what would it take to move one of those guys at this point would you do it for – who do you value the most of those? I still have Odell Beckham as my, my number one overall player. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, you got to put him over Evans still, right? I, I do. I think, yeah. you know, the, I think you can make a case for Evans after this year, but um, they're, they're my top two. Um, he mentioned I, Bell. Bell would be a little bit lower for me, just the injuries and the suspensions and all that history. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd value – 
I put Elliot over Bell. I would value you. Elliot over Bell as well. Yeah. Um, but to me, I mean, those are not the type of trades I want to make during the offseason. I don't want to trade my my top guy for three pieces and a first round pick. You know, I'm I'm going the other way. I want to trade uh, you know, I want to trade AJ Green, a first round pick and and somebody else who kind of has some hype and I want to try to get up there and get Evans or Beckham or Cooper or Zeke or David Johnson. You know, those those types of consolidation deals are going to make your roster better. No, I 100% agree. I mean, I think as a rule of thumb, unless you're in Bradley's situation where you just need as many bodies as you can, you know, it's better to get the best player in the deal more often than not. So if you have OBJ and you're a average, you're an average dynasty team, but you've constructed it in your manner and you're young for the most part, would you give me OBJ for two, two, or one, two, and two, one, three? The two and the three? Yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking like Fournette and Corey Davis potentially, I think it's – Or Beckham. Cook or – Yeah, I think it's yeah. Beckham by by a pretty wide margin. Okay. In general, unless kind of the situation you mentioned where you just have an awful team, you have really just one asset, other than that situation, if I'm moving one of those top guys, I'm not – I'm not moving him unless I get another one of the top guys, you know, whoever, whoever that tier is for you, for me, it would probably be the guys we've already talked about Beckham, Evans, Cooper, Elliot. You know, if you want to put Johnson and bell in there, that's fine. If you still have Brown and Julio in there, that's, that's fine. Uh, Of course, Robinson and Hopkins kind of fell off this year. So that uh, I don't, I don't know. I would need quite a bit with one of those guys to move a Beckham type. Yeah. I mean, in hyperactive two, you know, you commissioned that league. I took over a team, I guess it was about a year ago. Um, and I got the, it's a bad team. I mean, it's a total rebuild and we had a three team expansion draft and I had the first pick and I got Beckham and I've basically been shopping them for a year, not as actively lately, but I wanted four first rounders for, them. you know, more or less. I mean, they're not nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, the, you give me four first rounders as a deal. If you give me three good ones, I probably would do it because I need as many, you know, shots at the at the dartboard as I could get. But two early ones, I don't think gets it done. He's just so consistent, and he might do it for eight, ten more years. If I offered you Michael Thomas in one two, do you say yes? Uh, I still say no. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think Thomas is probably, you know, Thomas is going in the top. 15, 20 of, of these mocks. And so, you know, that's, that's still a big climb up to, up to number one. The one. Yeah. But you do it. You trade bell for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, here from now, Connor cook or Fournette might be worth more than bell. Maybe. Right. Right. Next, we have a couple questions about Melvin Gordon. First from Chris, uh, comparing the value between the 1.02 pick. So again, we're probably talking about Leonard Fournette or Dalvin cook uh, versus Gordon. So, you know, that, that really, really comes down to just how you rank those running backs. Uh, no, most people have not included the rookies into their uh, dynasty rankings yet. That's, that will be happening very soon, I would say, but um versus Gordon. How how are you coming down on that one, Matt? 
See, I'm I'm not avoiding the question, but I don't know Fournette and Cook well enough yet. But I think we would both. I mean, okay, if you're the Raiders in the real world, I bet you would value Fournette or Cook more than Gordon, right? Yes, I think so. I mean, if we're talking real, real world, world, yeah. Right. So Fournette and Cook are both uh, generally expected to be top. 10 top 15 NFL picks. And if, you know, if the real NFL draft comes around and, and the 10th pick is there and one of those two is gone and that team called the Chargers and said, hey, you can have this pick for Gordon, I think San Diego says yes. I think so as well. So what I see with that type of NFL trade is, you know, would San Diego trade they're running back for a top 10 pick. Sure. Probably, you know, most likely, probably. but would another team give a top 10 pick for really any running back? Probably not. So kind of transferring that over to. But my thoughts was who has more real world value right this second cook Fournette or Gordon. And I think Gordon's third there. Yeah, I think so too, but he's the bird in the hand. Right. So, but thinking about that from a dynasty perspective, if I could, if I can move Gordon for the 1.02, you know, do I do I like the rookies a ton better than him? Probably not. But I think I can take that 1.02 pick and get a wide receiver that I like a lot better. You know, I can probably you could get Michael Thomas, or you could get Michael Thomas, you could get Sammy Watkins, you could get probably right. Allen Robinson or DeAndre Hopkins. You know, once it comes yeah. draft time and and that rookie fever is kicking in, so then it becomes do you trade Melvin Gordon for one of those wide receivers? And that's, that's an easy choice. So that's a great way of looking at it because like I can turn this really good running back asset into a really good wide receiver asset. And now I'm talking. Right. And, and that's not a deal you can make in most leagues. You know, you can't trade Gordon for one of those late first round wide receivers, but the pick bridges that gap. You know, you get the pick, the pick gains value, and then in April and May or June, whenever your draft is, you can flip it for one of those guys. Um, Not to mention, too, like if you're in a 12-team league, there may only be three teams that are interested in taking Gordon off your hands, where if you have won two, there's probably 11 teams that are interested in taking that off your hands. Right, right. Uh, the next Gordon question has to do with Philip Rivers. Uh, it comes from Sean. If something should ever happen to Rivers, a trade or an injury, of course, we've we've already heard rumors this week uh, that he's not happy with the move. I think that probably is just a rumor. Well, he has 100 kids. He's got to uproot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> Sean wants to know, what would be the fallout for Gordon as, as the running back there? Um, you know, do you think – we talked about this last week with Scott Peake, who was obviously – frustrated and disappointed that was even before the news broke that they were uh, you know they were in fact moving to Los Angeles do you think of San Diego though in Philip Rivers tenure as a disappointing team you know people call him a hall of famer and he's got crazy numbers he's in the top 10 of almost every passing stat category there is but they've just, they've just never really made any noise in the playoffs. He's played with Tomlinson. He's played with Gates. He's played with, uh, you know, some some talented players and just never gotten it done. See, I'm a Rivers apologist. I mean, going into this year, this past offseason, I said on the air on many different forums, 
that I thought Roethlisberger and Rivers were two of the most underrated players of this generation. And I still believe that's true with Rivers. But it's not like the cupboards have been totally bare either. I mean, he played with Tomlinson and Vincent Jackson and Antonio Gates. and um, But I also feel like he's kind of Patrick Ewing when Michael Jordan was in his prime. I mean, it, 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 either Ben or Brady is going to go to the Super Bowl this year. And that means 14 out of the last 16 years, either Brady, Ben, or Manning has represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. So if he's a B-plus and those guys are A-pluses to A-minuses, I don't know that that's his fault or that he's incapable of winning the big one. Or I mean, I think he's still a borderline Hall of Famer. But, I mean, Schottenheimer was 12-4 and four and they fired him. <laughs> you know, like – I'm more disappointed in the organization as a whole. You know, they, they don't sign Bosa right away and they lose those first couple of games. You know, like I, I think the organization is disappointing and this move sort of affirms that. Yeah. That's kind of what we heard from Scott uh, last week as well. And yeah. that's a good point. Just as far as his competition in the AFC, the, the conversation I was having with a friend was, um, you know, Eli versus rivers. Eli of course has won the two Super Bowls, and, and, this guy was making the case that Eli's just had a, a much more uh, successful career. See, I don't agree with that at all. Even with even without the Super Bowl, so uh, that that's a good point. You know, if Rivers, if if those those two swapped places, then you know maybe maybe Rivers would have a Super Bowl ring now. And just watching him on tape, I would much rather have Rivers. Our next question comes from Jason. He's asking about Josh Dotson. Uh, just what is his value moving forward, and what's his value look like in 2017 rookie picks? Are you still still a Josh Dotson believer? Yes. Um, I think Cousins comes back. I like the offense. I like the coaching staff in terms of constructing offense, uh, either or both of Garcon and Jackson are not going to return. Jordan Reed's role, I think, could be reduced. Yeah, I like Dachshund. I mean, especially after talking to Scott, and Scott basically said, you know, there's no reason to think that he won't be the same guy. I don't know why his value would be down. Yeah, well, his value, ADP-wise, his value is hanging tough. He's still a top 50 overall player, even uh, playing very little this season. As far as 2017 rookie picks, I, I think it's certainly still cost a first rounder to get him. Um, so I think if, if you're buying a late first rounder is probably your best case. I'm not buying. I'm, I'm not a huge Dotson fan, never have been. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you're a believer and you can get him for a late first, I think that's nice value considering he was, you know, a top two or three pick last year. I don't own him anywhere. I mean, I didn't love him coming out, but I don't look at him and say, boy, he's a diminished asset than he was then. So what do you think with Sean McVay heading to the Rams? You know, the rumors that are starting to come out are that Cousins will will somehow follow him, either through free agency or, uh, you know, just somehow will find his way to Los Angeles. What do you think of that, and would that change anything as far as Dotson and Reed and, and the Redskins? I just do don't know how ownership and management lets that happen. I mean, Gruden's still there. I mean, I'm sure that the Rams would love to have him. Are they going to offer him golf for Cousins? I just don't 
you need to spell something out to me of how that actually happens. I, I don't understand how that deal goes down. Yeah, I, I don't either. That's, you know, that's the fun part of the offseason is trying to connect some dots. And mm-hmm. usually, usually those don't actually get connected. No, right. I mean, it sounds wonderful, but how's that going to work? All right, Fife wants to know what are some who are some rookies that are not really getting talked about much, uh, but have a good shot of moving up after the combine. Have That's started, more up your alley. I'm yeah, sorry. I was going to say, have you started any rookie stuff yet? Yeah, I have, but more from a NFL as opposed to fantasy landscape. Like I said, I, I do this locked on podcast, and the last two Wednesdays I've had a host on, and but we talk linebackers as much as we do receivers. So yeah, I'm getting familiar. Um, and I will be more this year than I have been in other years. I mean, I, I absolutely will be. But I can't say I can tell you, you know, the 20th receiver that's going to get drafted that I think to star yet. Well, I'm going to go back to ADP. Uh, our buddy Scott Fish is running some rookie mocks over at DLF, and I'm just glancing at that. I see some players outside of the top 30 who I think – I don't know if they'll necessarily blow up the combine, but I can certainly see them rising up and gaining some value. Taewon Taylor, the wide receiver from my neck of the woods and over at Western Kentucky, he's he's kind of been a hot name, but still sitting outside the top 30 in the ADP. Josh Malone, Tennessee wide receiver, really started out well at UT and then it kind of had a disappointing past couple of years. I could see him – you know, he's he's the kind of guy who this Josh Dobbs is by all accounts a, a super genius, but he's not a great quarterback. Okay. Uh, they they you know they ran the ball, he ran the ball a ton himself. And I think Malone, you know, it hurt Malone, it hurt these other wide receivers at Tennessee. So I, I can't wait to see him with a real NFL quarterback. Um, and then another tight end. We've talked about tight ends a little bit, Bucky Hodges. Virginia Tech, big kid, 6'5", 240, pretty fast. There's even some, you know, some reports that he could make the switch over to uh, to play wide receiver rather than tight end. But all three of those guys right now are outside of the top 30 and I think are all candidates to to gain some value in the next couple months. There's a small school tight end, and I, I just want to make sure I get his name right, that I'm looking up now. The people were talking about heavy too. He's from, let me find him here. Uh, he's from one of the Florida schools, I think. And I'm, my computer's being really slow. I apologize. That's not good radio. Florida International, Junu Smith is a guy that's 6'3", like in the 230, 235 range that some people are talking about. Yeah, he's he's a guy that I kind of stumbled upon. Again, you, you know, even playing in these deep Devi leagues, you don't, you don't know all these names. You don't know all these players, but we do a, a deep, like 20 round Devi draft every year with some of the DLF guys. And just looking at some height, weight, stat kind of things. Um, he jumped off, you know, jumped off the page to me this time last year. So actually two years ago, I believe. So I grabbed him in one of my Devi leagues, had him, he kind of had a weird story. He, um, he was having a solid year, and then in the middle of the year had uh, – This is a really weird story. I know yeah, this story. Yeah. Had some issues with uh, – I'll probably butcher the story, but basically had some issues with a girlfriend. She poured – Scalding some, hot water on yeah, him. Yeah. water on him, right. Right. 
So at first they said his college career was over. He'd missed the rest of the season. He did end up coming back to play. So I'm not even sure where exactly the injury, you know, was on his body, but that's, that's clearly I have some ideas, clearly a crazy situation. <laughs> Um, but he made it back on the field. So like I said, I I like um, some of the numbers I've seen from him, but in this class, I I was actually hoping he would uh, declare last year in in this class. He could, he could easily just get lost in the, in the shuffle of so many good tight ends. I I know this isn't what they asked, but how about last year? Do you have any hope for a guy like Tyler Higby? He's been somebody I've been wanting to ask you about for weeks, and it just dawned on me. So I I really thought he was a good athletic player in a situation that needs guys to step up, but he didn't play very well, and the whole offense was so nasty. Yeah, I think it's hard to judge, you know, really anybody in that entire offense this year, including Goff or Gurley. Um, So I'm, I'm not counting this year against him. I don't really expect, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier. I don't expect anything from rookie tight end. So if we get something sure. like we saw from, from Hunter Henry, that's, you know, that's icing on the cake. That's just a bonus. As far as Higby, I still like him. I think he could be their starter of the future. I've seen some talk that they need a tight end, which kind of surprises me. Kendrick's played pretty well. Um, I, I think he's still under contract for 2017 and they've got Higby. So, that kind of seems to be the least of their worries. But as far as dynasty, yeah, if I've got 25 roster spots or so, I'm, I'm still hanging on to him for sure. Yeah, or, or throw it in a deal. I mean, I'm just talking a bottom roster guy that's a little bit upside. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, next question comes from Craig. He's thinking about uh, Carlos Hyde, a potential um, – New head coach looking like it's probably going to be Shanahan. Uh, Those are are the reports that he's leaving the Falcons to go and take the San Francisco job. So, you know, we've seen him do wonders with with both Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Um, What's going to happen with Hyde? Does he become a huge buy this offseason? So I've always been a fan. I mean, I've always been in his camp. I think he's a better receiver than people realize. I think he's a better talent than people realize. His injury situation is certainly worrisome. and But I'm not sure his system gets better. I mean, Chip Kelly's running backs get the ball a lot, and they run the ball so much. Um, I've always wanted him on my team, though. So I, I'm not sure what if he's a buy, he's a sell, or what. But I think his situation probably is worse. Just from an NFL standpoint, I can't believe Shanahan wants that job. That's the worst job in the world. Yeah, I was surprised as well. Um, you know, I, I, paid him, I mean, maybe money talks, but right. I wasn't surprised when Josh McDaniels walked away. Uh, I, I kind of expected Shanahan to do the same thing, but it, it looks like he's going to take that job once their season is over. Next question comes from Nathan. Uh, Nathan Powell, our buddy over at DLF. Yeah, yeah. He said, I love the pros of second chance, especially when involving new owners, but what are the cons of the concept? So, Matt, are you familiar with the second chance? No, coach me up on this. Okay. So, this is something I kind of came up with a few years ago. I'll I'll do the short version. A buddy of mine said, hey, in one of my leagues, we're doing this dispersal, and the commissioner has told all the existing teams that they can join in if they want. They give up their team 
and and they can jump in the dispersal draft with these two new owners. What do you think? Huh. Uh, so I thought that was a terrible idea in his situation because that was, you know, that wasn't an existing rule that they had had. That was something brand new. I kind of felt like it was maybe a little bit of a cop out, you know, you get you off the hook if you've been right. a bad owner. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I love the idea in general. Um, I love the idea if it's a new rule going into a league that everyone understands. So I made the second chance dynasty league. It's uh, similar to some of my others, except it has this second chance rule every off season. Only uh, if somebody leaves though, right? An owner has to leave. In a- no, no, it, it can be in any situation. So the, the only real, um, you so there's 12 teams and the, and the team, the guy with the two owners of the crappiest team could say, I'm throwing it back in the pot. Right. If they, if they and choose. If, and only if, if it's one, obviously that doesn't matter. You know, exactly. You know, exactly. So that would be the requirement is of course you have to have more than one. If, uh, if we do have an owner leave that team automatically becomes goes. part of the second yeah. chance draft. So that's an interesting point too. Like if you have a really good team, but for some reason you're done and therefore that really good team, all those players become available. You might get 12 guys all saying I'm out. Cause I want that. I want some of those assets or 10 guys or five guys. I mean, it might be a lot of people that say, if I can get in on some of his players, I'll gladly sacrifice all my team to get in on that. Right. So, you know, a couple of the loopholes, I guess, are that you don't know who else, it's a okay that's a blind situation. right it's a blind deal so you don't know who else is jumping in of course if if an owner has left the league everybody knows that that's made that's made public mm-hmm. but just and if that's a really good team that would be more enticing to throw your hand in right so after the first year we didn't have uh we didn't have anybody do the second chance no everybody wanted to keep their team and then as as the years have gone on it's become more and more popular. So I think last year we had a four or five team dispersal draft. I think two of those were new owners and and two or three were giving their team up and and trying to make it better. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun concept. Uh, It's going back to Nathan's question though. He points out some of the pros, of course, if you have new owners that they get to make their team their own rather rather than just taking what was left. Mm -hmm. What are the cons of the concept? I think going back to, the original situation, it, it can be, uh, it can be a bit of a cop out. You can, um, you can have some teams, you know, really going for the title, trading all their young players for veterans, um, to really go for that championship, knowing that they can throw all those players back in the end. Um, A couple of questions, I guess, is do you throw all your draft picks into, you know, like if you own, if you earned the one, one, you're the worst team in the league. Does that go into the pot? Or do you still have that as Team Williamson? Nope, draft picks are involved too. So if you okay, so all the trades you made for picks all go in, right? If you take the second chance option, all of your assets, players, and picks are available to to everyone else. Okay, and I imagine as a commissioner in the bylaws, there's a there's a uh, a deadline. There's a you know you better tell me by you know uh, February first or whatever it is, and then we'll start the the draft a week later or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. We we actually have them. Uh, anybody who is taking that option, we just have them email kind of a third party, someone who's not in the league, just so it doesn't affect 
my decision uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, it keeps me out of that loop and, and lets everybody make their own decision that way. Um, but yeah, there's, there's that hard deadline. And once, you know, once everybody's made their decision, then, then it's revealed who's in the second chance draft. And then all of a sudden, like, wow, there's five other teams in it, and Odell's available. And I, and then I assume as you somehow randomize who gets one one then in that pick. Sure, sure, just like okay, just like just we like in a startup, right, right. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, I don't, think- I don't like letting people off the hook. Like, man, you were a terrible owner, and now you get to start from scratch. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that's the clear um, negative to the you know to the idea. The positive is a lot of times those owners may just leave the league, but if they know they can, you know, you may have a pretty good owner. But it's not always bad when they leave the league. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was going to say you may have a pretty good owner who's just fed up with this team, frustrated. Uh, but if he knows he can take that second chance option, he might do that. Um, yeah, but like you mentioned, a lot of those, a lot of times, if you have a a league quitter, it it may may just be better be to let them read. walk away. Right. Well, I guess one other question: Do you? Th- it's hard to tell, obviously, but do you think that if I'm a pretty good team and I want to go all in, maybe I'll make more trades to try to, you know, do you think it spurs more? movement late in the fantasy season thinking if I go all in, I can always throw my chips back and I can always, you know, throw my hand in and try again in case I miss. You think people are more aggressive because of this with trades and pickups? I don't really think so. I mean, it's, it's become a pretty typical league as far as activity and trades and things like that. And honestly, I, I don't get the feeling that people are really thinking about that second chance option until the off season. So I don't think that's the case, but it, that could be a byproduct in, you know, in some leagues. But I guess one nice thing is if you're really unlucky, you're like, boy, your best guys are getting hurt left and right, and you did assemble a good team, you could say, all right, I'm going to cash in all these injured dudes and try again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we got time for a couple more questions. Uh, Joe wants to know what kind of running back should I be able to get for Dante Moncrief and Doug Martin? So he's, he's packaging. Boy, those guys are, their stock is so low though. Right. He's packaging. Uh, Martin might not even play again. Yeah. Martin's future is, is up in the air. He <laughs> right. They're not gonna get had, a, had a rough uh, end of the season. He had some guaranteed money coming to him in 2017, which is suspension voided. So, uh, you know, I think there's a decent chance he won't be back with Tampa Bay at all. Uh, and, and, you know, that just leaves the question, who's, who's going to take a chance on him? He's uh, getting up there in age. I think he's 27 or 28. He's, he struggled this year, even when he was healthy. Now he's got this suspension. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to have, uh, you know, suitors lining up for him. No, and Moncrief stocks down from a year ago. I would be kicking the tires to buy Moncrief. I would be as well. So in general, though, what I like to do when I have this type of situation, if I have a couple guys, I'm just set on moving. Uh, I know I want to upgrade, you know, do a a two for one type deal. I'm going to look at the guy who has the higher ADP. And of course, in this case, that's Moncrief by a wide margin. So uh, Moncrief's ADP is... See, I'm not looking to move him at all, and I own him in a lot of leagues. I mean, I'm grumpy at him right now, but I'm not shopping him. Right. So Moncrief's ADP is 26. 
that actually puts him inside the top 25 overall players. So he he's wow. still ca- carrying quite a bit of value, even though um, maybe that seems not steep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Maybe not as much as it was a year ago. So what I what I want to do, though, is just start at Moncrief and I'm going up the list. And if I'm shopping specifically for a running back, I'm just looking, uh, you know, can can Doug Martin bridge that gap? The next guy up is Melvin Gordon. So Gordon's ADP is 21. Moncrief is 26. Does Doug Martin get me up to Melvin Gordon? That's probably where I would start. Uh, Joe mentioned. I can't give you a second round pick for Doug Martin right now. No, I agree. I agree. So, I mean, he doesn't carry much weight. I mean, I don't think he's worth even trying to move him if he's on your roster. There's got to be somebody else to get you to Gordon. You know, I mean, you're just giving him away, I think. Yeah, I think I think Gordon is really the only option. If you go up from there, uh, you're looking at Devontae Freeman. Joe notes that he actually already has Freeman on his roster. And then you're into the girly, uh, girly group. Yeah, right. Um, and certainly not getting to him. So I think Gordon is the the closest option. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's outrageous at all to still prefer Moncrief to Gordon straight up. Um, so yeah, that's if, a coin flip, though. Yeah, so if you're making that offer and, you know, maybe Martin carries some name value still, that's, that's probably who I would target. Um, Who's the running back that's going after Gordon, that's going after Moncrief? Is, you know, like if you really need a running back, I'd rather – trade Moncrief for Hyde in a second. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Or something I like agree. That. So uh, next is Jay Ajayi. Uh, Jordan Howard comes pretty yeah. soon after that. Yeah, I like those names with some sweetener to, if I'm going to move Moncrief as opposed to Moncrief and some sweetener for Gordon. Yeah, I think that's a good point. All right. One more question uh, from Eric. He says, I keep hearing people say sell high on Tyreek Hill. What is high for him? Um, and he says he feels like he's worth more than he can get and also notes that he's in a return yard, a return yardage league, which I think is, is a game changer when you're talking about Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's big. And I guess I'm not super familiar with them. How much weight does that carry? I'd probably like to read the bylaws before saying that because he's got to be the most, you know, sought after return guy ever, or, you know, or in the league now by far. But overall, I think that, those gimmicky type players get overblown, you know, that he's not going to score eight touchdowns every six games. You know I mean? I, I don't think he's going to have 14 combined touchdowns next year for an average of 60 yards. And I always think about them from an NFL standpoint too. It's like, okay, after he tweaks his ankle for the first time or takes another 400 hits, is he going to be as dynamic? And a player like that, if he loses 1% of his explosion and speed, all of a sudden, he's not special anymore. Yeah. Like I said, though, I th- the return yardage thing is, is a total game changer. I haven't, yeah. I haven't played in one of those leagues in quite a while. Um, so, you know, I don't know how – I don't know how much that vaults Hill up from, from a typical, you know, ranking system or scoring system. But in, in Boy, that, I bet you get a lot for him, though. Yeah, in that format, I'm I'm not selling for anything less than a mid first. In a typical format, I would love to get a late first. I would sell him in a heartbeat if I could get it. Oh yeah. Um, I, so I think that's you know I think that's selling high. I don't see really much of a reason to take a second rounder for him. Uh, I think the you know he's obviously had his off field issues in the past. 
but it, it, it seems like the NFL has, uh, has moved on from that uh, already. So, um, yeah, uh, selling high to me in general is a late first in that format, a much earlier first, at least a mid first, maybe even more. Because I saw some faith in Macklin, too. I mean, I think he's going to still be a foundation piece of that passing game. And I don't love the Alex Smith situation long term. I, I would gladly – like, I would trade him for O.J. Howard right now in a non-return league, league, return yardage league. Okay, so that's that late first, early yeah, second round yeah. range. Okay. Right. All right. Well, thanks to all our listeners and uh, everyone reaching out on Twitter. We had um, – some great questions. I wish we could have answered them all. And as always, we will try to answer those on Twitter. So keep firing them away and we'll be back next week with more dynasty blueprint.